Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Monica Kramer. Monica is a queer realtor based in Philadelphia and uses they, them pronouns. As a native of Upper Darby, Monica grew up in a single parent military family and quickly learned the importance of work ethic, determination, and education. They have lived in three neighborhoods in South Philly and spent two years living in France. They've worn many hats in their life. They are a French professor turned real estate agent, former Lyft driver, former cheesemonger, former translator, and more. Monica is a proud non-binary vegan Jewish human and is enthusiastic about all things real estate, food and music. Uh, the things you learn about your friends when you sit down <laughs> to do a podcast. <laughs> Hello, Monica Kramer. Hi, it's so good to be here, Bree. Thanks for um, having me on. Of course. So I have to confess to everyone, Monica and I have never met in person. Um, our friendship has been Instagram and email um, <laughs> because I found Monica in 2020 when I was thinking of moving to Philly and looking for a real estate agent. And I legit searched queer, queer real estate Philly and Monica came up and also came up on Instagram. And I was like, this is it meant to be. And so this has been like a, like a, a year long <laughs> internet friendship come to, come to the surface. So I'm very excited to sit and chat with you today. I know me too. I was just scrolling through our DMS and being like, Oh my God, has it already been a year? Wow, we've really been in touch that long, just commenting and, you know, gassing each other up, you know, from different states. Listen, the queers will build community online, so. (laughs) You know it. If we do nothing else, we will find a friend 1,700 miles away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then I also then connected you and you connected another one of your colleagues to my friends, Megan Noah, who moved to Jersey, because they asked me, they go, I feel like you would know someone (laughs) who does real estate, like you were correct (laughs) in in that area. So it's been like a nice year wrap around. And yeah, I am so excited to chat with you today. I was telling you before we got on, I couldn't think of a better person to talk about this topic with. Um, and as you all know, like my guest typically picks the topic and I knew Monica would pick <laughs> this topic. So it, it just, it really worked out and we're talking about real estate. So yeah, I want to start with how you got into real estate because I mean, as a che- former cheesemonger, which I felt if you weren't my friend before, you've just <laughs> solidified our friendship. I had made a cheese board last night for a friend, so I feel like we're here. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so you want to know how I got into real estate? Yeah. Um, so basically I was teaching full time. I get, you know, you didn't, most people don't realize I'm also, um, a French professor, a part-time French lecturer at the university of Pennsylvania. Um, I've been there about six years. And so a few years ago, I was ready to explore different career options and different career paths. So I decided to retake my Myers-Briggs personality test, which honestly I haven't taken since probably 11th grade of high school. So I had no idea. I didn't even remember what I was. And a friend was like, yeah, you should retake it. See what you are, blah, blah, blah. And so I did. And turns out I'm ESTJ, which is also in my Instagram bio because I think it's important for folks to know um, how people work and to understand them better. Um, and so I'm ESTJ and at the end of the test, they give you career options and like, you know, ones that would work well with your personality type. And the first one on there was professor. And I was like, okay, check, like, great. I'm doing that. And then the next one was real estate agent. And I remember laughing and I was like, I would never do real estate. And then I was like, you know what? let me think on this. You know, I slept on it and I was like, let me just trust in the test. So I asked a few friends and I was like, could you ever see me doing real estate? Like, would I be good at this type of thing? Is this something I should, you know, explore? And my friends were like, oh my God. Yeah. I've, I can't believe we'd never thought about this before. You'd be so good at it. You should definitely do it. You know, you're, you're, you're from Philly. You'd be you're so good at it because you're involved in so many communities. And I was like, Okay, so I trusted in the test, I trusted in my friend's opinions, and basically um, I dove right in. I got, I did the classes, um, took the exam right away within the next couple of months. I was licensed just a few months after and really haven't looked back since. <laughs> now I think like I have to go look up, so I'm an ENFJ, so I think like I need to go look at my career options now because <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, that's so funny, like to, to do a career change and like be, it be a thing you never even expected. Like the older I get, the more I'm like, what do I want to do the rest of my life? So like to hear like, it is never too late to just completely change your life and your career. Um, and then like you're saying, being from Philly, which everyone's always la- like asking me why I'm choosing Philly as like my next city when I move. And when I tell them, like, I've always spent like maybe like a day or two in Philly and they're like you're gonna move your whole life <laughs> to a place you've been for like less than 24 hours ago I just it just feels right like I was I visited Austin for three days and moved here and I've been here five years like I you know I have you and a couple other friends who live in Philly I'm like I'd be fine so I, I yeah I just love that you have all this Philly knowledge and you were so patient you were so patient with me and I was like this isn't it I don't like this I really prefer this like okay so yeah. yeah, I also have really been enjoying your series you do on your Instagram about like th- like questions people can ask you and like tips for when you're buying a house. So I would just love to go like through the process of like how that works because I've mentioned I am terrified about buying a home and mm-hmm. one because the Austin market is ridiculous right now. Um, so I probably would probably won't be here right now. Um, but as I get older and think about moving to Philly, I've obviously been looking at houses because I'm a planner. Um, but it's always funny because people always ask me while I'm nervous and I don't know where it comes from. I know where it comes from. We'll circle back. Um, but like I come from like a family, like everyone in my family owns homes. So it's like, it's not like I've never seen it. It's just mm-hmm. a scary thing to think about. If you think about student loan debt and credit card debt and all these things and student loans are probably like the biggest thing for a lot of people in our generation of like 
will I qualify? Like I have friends who like have defaulted and that's terrifying because like you just can't afford your loan when you graduate college and yeah. So all the things of, of the fears of, of, of buying in the horror story. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's literally the biggest financial decision of your life. And that's also why choosing a realtor is so important because you want to be with someone who's going to be able to help guide you through the process, um, hold your hand, um, educate you to empower you to make your own decisions, what's best for you. Um, You know, every client, every transaction is so different. So it's important that you meet folks where they are and just really explain things as you go. So I really like working with first time home buyers. That's the majority of my clients. Um, it's fun, it's exciting. I celebrate in the milestones and the victories with them. And I just love being a part of that journey. Um, you know, owning a home is really key to building intergenerational wealth, as you probably know. And so I want more folks to know that it's possible, um, that it's totally doable, even in the seller's market that we're in. Um, and just help them on that journey and make home buying accessible, understandable, easy, and then connect them to folks who are going to also take them step by step, you know, every from contract to close is what we say. Yeah. So I know you're, I've watched the videos. So I'm always like, I know you have to get pre-approved before you look at houses, which I've broken that rule because (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) what can a girl dream? Can I just look at houses I want all the time? Um, but then I have friends here who who are first time home buyers who got in and like didn't have to put down 20%, didn't have to get pre-approved. And yeah, I just, well, can you take us through that? Cause I think that's also like, and I'm looking at your notes right now, like common misconception, like, and even in my brain, it's like, okay, you have to save at least 20% before you buy a house. And yeah. Yeah. That myth is definitely from like our parents' generation, because at, at that time you did need 20% down, but things have changed. A lot has changed since then. Um, you can put down as low as 3% for a conventional loan, 3.5% for an FHA loan. I'd say most of my clients put down anywhere from 5 to 10%. Um, most of my clients tend to be millennials, so we're all in the same boat. Most of us all have massive student loan debt, um, and so you don't need that full 20%. Um, so, you know, of course, I always recommend getting pre-approved first because, one, in a seller's market, most sellers really require any potential buyers coming through to have a pre-approval. Most real estate agents want to work with someone who's already been pre-approved, but it doesn't mean you can't see houses. There's also open houses, always usually on the weekend, Saturdays, Sundays are huge for that. Sometimes we get a twilight one, like Thursday night, Friday night. Those are free. They're open to the public. Anyone can come in. You don't have to be pre-approved. So it's a great way to kind of, you know, get your foot in the door and look at houses. Um, There's always a realtor there hosting. So you can ask questions, um, you know, learn about things and just, you know, dip your toes in the water a little bit. Uh, But getting pre-approved usually is the first step because we want to make sure that the house that you're looking at, you can actually afford. And you don't want to go into a house and be like, oh, wow, I really love that house. You fall in love with it. And then turns out you can't get pre-approved for that, that budget. So I always say, get pre-approved. It'll at least help flush out all of your financial details, you know, um, factor in things like student loan debt, your credit score, your assets, your debt to income ratio, which is the big part of what lenders look at. Um, And you just don't need 20%. Um, The thing that most people forget is closing costs. And they do vary 
per state, per county, you know, per municipality. So I can't speak to Austin because real estate is hyper-localized, but in addition to your down payment, you will have closing costs and they vary. Generally, we say they're like anywhere from two to 5% of your purchase price. But again, everywhere is different. So a lot of people, a lot of first-time buyers think they just need to save up a certain amount of money for the down payment. And they get excited because they have it. And then there's this whole other chunk of cash that they need for closing. And they're like, I've never heard of closing costs. And so, uh, you know, no one wants to be disappointed. So again, having that conversation upfront, even if you're a year away from buying a house, I've worked with plenty of clients in that boat who've had to improve their credit score or pay down a credit card, um, you know, anything like that, or save up a little bit more so they qualify for a different type of loan. Um, having the conversation early is definitely in your best interest. I have so many questions. Number one, what are, what are, I get, I know closing costs are the, clo the costs at closing, but why, like, what is the difference between like, why isn't that included in the down payment? What is, what, what is it? Cause I've, I have yeah. heard of it, but I never know what it means. Yeah. And I think most people don't know what it means. So your down payment is just the percentage that you're putting on the loan. Um, and again, that varies like for my house, I put down 5% and that's whatever percent of the total purchase price and your closing costs um, are generally uh, loan origination fees. So any costs associated with the lender um, transfer tax. I don't know what it is in Austin, if there, if that's a thing, but here like in Philadelphia, as well as like New Jersey too, because I know a little bit about that. Um, when you when you buy or sell real estate, basically they charge you a fee and the seller and the buyer split that cost equally. Um, and it is a percentage of the purchase price. So you have transfer tax rolled into your closing costs, you have loan origination fees, and then you're gonna have things like your title insurance fees. Um, and title insurance, people are like, what is that? Um, and it's it's, Different than homeowner's insurance, which a lot of people think that it's the same thing. Homeowner's insurance is what you get to protect usually um, the outside of your house. You know, if you have a windstorm, a hailstorm, your roof, you know, falls apart, you file a claim with your homeowner's insurance. Um, so you're looking at the outside, maybe some like interior stuff like, you know, your sewer line, but home um, title insurance is going to cover you um, from being to be protected so that no one is going to come after you at your house and try to take it away. For example, if there was an unpaid sewer bill, unpaid water bill, or a gas bill that was left unpaid, a lot of these things are lienable, which means that the city can put a lien on that property and say, you know, you can't, you can't sell this house until it's paid off. But when you have this title insurance policy, it protects you. Um, it's called your owner's policy. And so if anyone tries to come and say, hey, this is my house, or maybe there is some, um, I don't know, some family from like the 80s saying like, hey, blah, 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 this used to be my family's home. We want it back now because so-and-so didn't sign such and such document. All you do is contact the title insurance company and you, you have that policy and you're protected under it. So it is a big deal because they basically do like a deep dive research into the chain of title um, which means all the previous owners who have owned that house, that land, and they're, they're writing a policy and saying like, it is yours, it is free and clear of any judgments or liens. So it is a big deal. Um, it's a very important part. And so that is factored into your closing costs. <laughs> so many questions. I have so many thoughts. Adults are <laughs> so hard. Why don't they make it easier? <laughs> okay, not, okay. Conventional loan versus FHA loan. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> so this is this is exactly why you have the conversation with lender. Okay. Um, so FHA loans, no matter what, you always put three point five percent down. Um, FHA loans are great if you don't have a lot of cash saved up on hand. It's a government-backed loan. Um, however, it is a little bit stricter in terms of underwriting because it's government-backed. So, for example, if there's like um, termites, um, they will the the bank will require the seller to remediate that to have a termite treatment done before they fund your loan. Um, so they are very particular about safety hazards and stuff in the house. So it's a little bit stricter in terms of underwriting. Um, if it's a conventional loan, you can put down as low as 3%, 5%, you know, 10%, all the way as, as much percent you want to put down. Um, and conventional loans um, tend to be um, better in the long run. They're not going to have as much um, PMI, private mortgage insurance, um, and it's, it all just depends on, on your, 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 your needs, your goals, and what you have in assets. Um, both loans are totally, you know, everyone has them all across, you know, um, in the seller's market, sellers can be a little choosy about what offers they want to accept. For example, if buyer one has a conventional loan, buyer two has an FHA loan, it will be a a more smooth process if they go with the conventional one. So if they were, you know, the same offer and the only difference was their loan type, they might choose the conventional one. So in a very competitive market, like the one we're in with multiple offers, different loan types, conventional def definitely tends to win out over FHA. It doesn't mean you can't still buy a house with FHA. It just means that it is harder to get your offer accepted in some markets, in some areas. That's all. Yeah, because so right now, um, Texas, Austin specifically, the housing market is out of control. Like it is so expensive to buy a house now. It's because people are moving here and wanting to buy houses and people come with like cash and just be like, I'm going to buy this house today. And I'm like, what a life. Um, it's like right now, even looking at houses, like houses start at like $400,000 here. And I'm like, no. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, but then I look well, at houses in Philly and it's like not $400,000. And I'm like, ah, so yeah. Yeah. I think Boston. our average, like our median sales price in Philadelphia is like 250. So it is, I always say like, and, and we have a lot of transplants coming here. I have a lot of clients who've relocated from different States, um, different countries. Um, and I will say, I think Philadelphia is the last affordable you know, remaining mm -hmm. city on the East coast because Boston, whole different market, way, yeah. way expensive. Same thing for DC um, and even parts in New York. And so a lot of people will come to Philly because we're still near, you know, we're two mm -hmm. hours to New York city, three, three hours to DC, four hours to Boston. And, you know, you can get a house, you can get land, like, you know, and for still an affordable price. Um, so I'd say we, we've seen a large influx of transplants from different States, especially New York, I'd say. Yeah, that's why I want to live in Philly. It's I'm from Connecticut originally. Like my most most of my family still lives there, and so for me, <clears throat> and so for me, it's like close enough to family, but they can't just like pop up. Like there's like a a boundary there, and yeah, I just think Philly just seems like a really cool place. I do nothing but like scroll Philadelphia Instagram tags now because I'm obsessed. Oh yeah, um, well, Philly is great. We'd love to have you, Brie. We have the best food. Like. I know Austin, I've been to Austin twice and they have great food there too, but our food scene here is pretty dope. Every time you and Maggie, who Maggie is Monica's partner, post anything vegan food, I'm like, 
I just get, I'm also obsessed with bagels. I'm a Northeastern girl. Like I love a bagel. And so y'all posted about bagels one day. I was like, I can't, I can't, I have to, <laughs> I have to go. Um, but yeah, like I, I think Phil, I mean, I grew up with seasons. I grew up going to the city and seeing plays. Like, so I think about that often too, of like, I think when I do buy a house, it will be in Philly. I just think sometimes I like to like play with my brain. of like, if I hit the mega million, <laughs> would I buy a house <laughs> in Austin? Um, but I think that's just like, a, you're really reassuring me that it's possible to buy a house. I think I've heard so, such horror stories. And like you said, like you have to find a real realtor you trust. I have had a really good friend of mine, her and her husband live an hour south in San Antonio. And they were telling me how they had a realtor who was a black woman who like really went to bat for them and got their house that is bigger than the neighbor's house for cheaper. And she was telling me how her neighbor worked with someone who wasn't a black realtor. She's black. And how like they were like, just sign. It's it's the best deal you're going to get. And they paid like 10 to 20,000 more than my friend did. And their house was smaller than her house. So It's just like those sort of horror stories of like, you really have to find someone you trust to, to go to bat for you, do your research. I got to get pre-approved according to Monica. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I would love to hear about like first time home buyer and we can just go from like the realm of Philly. Um, But like any sort of like suggestions you have for first time home buyers besides like getting pre-approved and all that sort of stuff. Like obviously your credit score, which I hate credit scores. I feel like they're dumb, but here we are life. Um, But yeah. Yeah, so first time homebuyer tips, I mean, generally, you know, you find a realtor first, you can you can either get pre approved for first or find a realtor if you end up finding a realtor first, and you're like, Oh, I, I love this person, I definitely want to work with them. For sure, they will connect you to local reputable lenders that they've worked with that have they have professional relationships with that they know and trust that you'll be in good hands with. So um, I'd say definitely find someone you trust who communicates clearly, who's responsive. Like you and your realtor are going to be BFF for the time <laughs> that you're looking for that house. You're going to be texting like, you know, late at night, early in the morning, you're going to be, you know, having all types of questions. Maybe you're feeling anxious or nervous. You need to be reassured about something. Um, you know, so it's really important that you set those expectations up front that you have, you know, okay, what's the best way to communicate? What's the best way to contact you? Um, just getting that upfront because it is a big process. Like I said, it's the biggest financial decision of your life. You want to make sure you feel good about it, that you trust the person you're working with, that they have your best interests at uh, at heart. Um, And then I'd say, you know, we are in a seller's market. It's probably going to stay like this for the next, you know, couple of years, I'd say. Um, But interest rates are still going to stay low. Um, I believe the Fed has announced that a few times. I think they're not going to hike up rates um, until 2023. So you still have, you know, plenty of time between now and then. Um, and even when they do, interest rates are still at a historic low. And that's why that we have so many buyers and not enough inventory. And that's what creates a seller's market. It's when we have low inventory. So I'm hopeful that in the next couple of years, the inventory will eventually catch up. Hopefully that we will get out of the pandemic. That's been a huge part of it too. Um, a lot of people are now prioritizing now more than ever their living space. Um, you know, people are working from home, just the whole housing industry has changed because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that and you'll see people, you know, here, great outdoor space. Everyone is, you know, prioritizing outdoor space, the office space, you know, or finished basement stuff like that. Um, so all of this to say it is a seller's market it is brutal out there, you know, definitely want to 
armor up and, you know, get, get your thick skin on because it, it can be emotionally challenging. It's like a roller coaster sometimes, but it is not impossible by, by any means. Um, yeah. So I would say take advantage of it, take advantage of the market, you know, get whatever you need to do done in the next year. Or so have that conversation with the lender, flush out all of your financial details, figure out if you need to pay down some credit card debt or, um, you know, save up more money or, you know, expand your criteria, just having the conversation to be led, you know, advised by a professional in the field, you'll have a direction of where you're going. Uh, most people just tend to start saving up, but they don't look into credit or debt to income ratio. Um, I will say recently, like maybe a, a month or so ago, um, how it, there was an announcement, um, I think from the FHA, um, but how lenders view student loan debt um, in the past, they would take 1% of your total student loan balance and factor that into your monthly payment. Even if it wasn't your monthly payment, they would take 1% of that total loan balance and factor that into your debt to income monthly ratio. Now they're taking half of a percent. So they're cutting it in half. So if before, you know, it was $1,000 a month, now it's only 500 a month. So that really, really reduces your debt to income on that monthly basis, which can change a lot of things for folks to qualify for loans. So really now more than ever, you should definitely talk to a lender and figure out your, your plan. Um, you know, Bree, you did say you're a planner. So I am a planner. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good idea. So I would say those are the intro steps for first time home buyers. And then, you know, the fun part happens, which is like the HGTV stuff. You get to, you know, see houses, like, you know, explore, you know, there's just so much to see in every house. And um, I'd say the more and more houses you look at, you'll feel comfortable as to what to look for, what things you like, things you don't like, what you're willing to compromise on, what are your non-negotiables? Um, you know, the question I get asked the most often is like, well, when will I find a home? Well, will I find my home? And, you know, the first time and there is no answer to that question. I've had some clients we've seen, you know, five homes or 10 homes and they found the house and then they were like, okay, this is the one let's put an offer in. Um, other times, you know, it's taken over 25 homes or it's in the seller's market, you know, they found the home that they like, but their offer wasn't accepted. So you had to go to bat again and again and again. But I think that, you know, the house that's right for you will come to you and you'll get it. Um, I do believe in, in that, in the universe, making things kind of all coalesce and happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think my issue is like, I already know what I want. Like I have a vision of what I want. Um, but then also like being HGTV obsessed, I've watched houses get flipped my whole life. And like my godmother is like a flipper, like not professionally, but like she will go into a house and like, be like, I can make this work. And then you come back like six months later, like this is a totally different house. So I think about that too. I often tell friends, I'm like, you got to see it. You got to have the vision. It's <laughs> so, all about the vision. <laughs> can you just, just picture it? You got to picture it and, and get there. But yeah, I, I am. I am a planner. So I'm taking notes now. It's just, I'm, I, yeah. As I've gotten older and I think about buying a house I'm like okay it's not scary you gotta you gotta know I think it's just like I have taught like between me and a couple of friends it's like like you're saying it's the biggest financial investment you'll make and just like the barriers to get there and yeah it's just it's just scary that's all but then once once you know you know and you can you can make adjustments for sure and 
listen, it's going to be scary, even with the information, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. And, you know, you're committing to something, you know, you're getting a loan, which most likely it's probably a 30 year loan, like, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And I never like to downplay that because, you know, it's, it's a big step. It's a big milestone. And some folks never even buy a house in their whole life, you know? So it's something that I take very seriously. And um, I just feel honored when, when folks want to work with me as their realtor, it's, you know, I'm definitely their fiduciary, meaning I put their, their needs above my own. And it's an honor to, to work with someone and help them find their house. So I'm going to need you to get certified in Austin. <laughs> so I can work with you. Like, hi, I want to fly in, fly in a real estate agent. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> well, I, I can definitely look into some Texas real estate classes. Um, Thank you. Also happy to fly in and look at the house. If you end up looking and buying in Austin, you need a second set of eyes. See, happy to go down there. Everyone know? just hang out with Monica. If you're in Philly, <laughs> look up Monica. Uh, this has been such a good time. I could talk to you about houses all day, but um, you've answered all of my questions. I also love how prepared you were. <laughs> oh, yes. You just came in with all the notes. Um, I like to ask, is there anything you want to plug at the end before we start doing the wrap? I know you do workshops and things of that nature. So, yeah. Yeah, so I do host a monthly um, home buyer workshop, which is basically home buying 101. So it's something that um, anyone can take if you're interested. Um, it is always free. And in the past year, it's been on Zoom, which I still plan to do on Zoom. Um, I do have the link in my bio to register on Instagram. Um, you know, my emails on there as well. And um, it's cool. And I always have a lender on the presentation with me. So um, in addition to going over the home buying 101 steps, the lender also will go over the different types of loans available. They're going to talk about closing costs, um, credit scores, and I would say it's a pretty popular thing. Um, you're, we, we do a Q&A at the end, and you can also drop your questions in the chat. Um, so they're only an hour long, you know, but I'd say they're pretty well attended, and I've been doing them yeah, for close to a year now. So every month, there's always a new one. Um, it's the next one. would love to see you there, and it doesn't matter if you're in a different state, different city, wherever, um, most of the information is general. And then, you know, if you have specific questions about closing costs, that would probably vary, but you can always let the lender know, oh, I'm in, you know, Texas or whatever other state you're in, and they will probably have some info for you. So yeah, I would love to see everyone there. Well, get, get on that workshop, people. Um, at the end of every episode, I like to wrap with the question, what is the best advice you were ever given or what is a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? That's a, that's a good question. I do like that you asked that at the end <laughs> of every episode. Um, so I, one of my favorite things is to never settle, right? So, and I always say, you know, people say never settle, but I always say never settle in business, in life and in love, unless you're buying a house, of course, and, you know, you want to get to the settlement table. So yes, you do want to settle when you buy a house, but otherwise, you know, I always say never settle, make sure you're getting what you want. Um, and then another thing I'd say is because you mentioned something earlier, Bree, you said, you know, I always ask myself, what, what do I want to do in life? You know, um, is a quote that a friend of mine um, always shares too. And it's just, 
you can begin again at any time. And I think it is the most reassuring quote and it is okay to start over, to begin again, to do whatever it is that you want at any age, at any point in life. Um, you know, a lot of people think they're, you know, in a rush to do something, but I just think that whenever you're trying something new or you need a reassuring thing, it's a good mantra to have. You can begin again at any time. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at the tea with Brie at gmail.com and visit the website, the tea with podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.